everyone. You're listening once again to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and today I think you'll find I've got an interesting guest. His name is Sean Taylor. Sean grew up and lives in British Columbia. He was trained in emergency services. He has worked air and ground ambulance and as a firefighter. In 2002, Sean went back to school to become a registered nurse. He spent 16 years in the ER, working both with pediatric and adult patients. Sean has also spent 19 years in the Canadian Armed Forces, finishing his career as a nursing officer. He deployed to Afghanistan in 2009 and 10, where he was second in command of a tactical psychological operations team. In 2018, and this is how I got to know Sean, he decided to get involved politically and joined the People's Party of Canada. He, I'm sorry to say, ran unsuccessfully in the last two elections. But I think you're going to find Sean's story as an ER trauma nurse, unwilling to submit himself to the so-called COVID vaccine, quite interesting And he's got a very interesting perspective on things, and he's had a lot of real-life experience that I'm looking forward to having him share with all of us. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing good, Janine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I found out about you because you were running in uh, the last election. And I really liked your message. Uh, Both my husband and I were very impressed with you. And we were sorry that you didn't win. And then we've talked a little bit about your work as a ER trauma nurse and what you witnessed these last couple of years. And I thought, wow, I'd like to have you on the podcast to share your story and, and your observations with the listeners. So why don't you start a little bit with your your background, your history, whatever you'd like to share that you, you think might be relevant. Well, thanks, Janine. And not to be a crappy guest and start off confrontational right away, but I'd say <laughs> that we were quite successful in the last two elections. Okay. Uh, the PPP, yeah, the PPC is the fastest growing Canadian political party in uh, Canadian history. And I think we've moved the dial. Cool. So, yeah, I... You know, yeah, you want to be uh, you want to be more successful and have uh, seats in the House of Commons, but the progress we've made in such a short period of time, uh, I think, just indicates the the flux that we're in in both you know the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. the Western world, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're in a time of transition, right? And uh, it's it's exciting to be a part of. Maybe is now this is a, a new party, right? I mean, I. I I don't know that much. I'm sorry to say about Canadian politics, except yeah. that I think Trudeau should be buried somewhere. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that, but uh, you yeah. get the, you get what I mean. Um, but the this is a fairly new party, isn't it, or not? Yes, it is. Okay. So yeah, for uh, your American listeners that may not know. Uh, Canadian politics that well. Thank you. We've got a few parties, but basically it's the Liberals and the Conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. Analogous to your Republicans and your Democrats, where the Conservatives would be the Republicans and the Liberals would be the Democrats. And, you know, we we have one until people get sick and tired of them. 
and then we replace them with the other one. But they seem to be working for the same team. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, we've got the New Democrats, which would be further left, and the Green Party that's, you know, sometimes they're the balance of power, like we have right now, where the NDP have formed a coalition with the Liberals to uh, be able to uh, maintain the silliness that we have going on up here right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think people are waking up to this LibCon con that we've been, you know, playing for the last century. So I'm, I, it's exciting to be a part of, and who knows how it'll go, but uh, yeah, the, the, the ground is shifting. Maybe just a, a, a few points of what the People's Party stands for would be a good idea. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, sure. Uh, maybe like a few points of what the People's Party stands for, for people. Okay, so People's Party of Canada was founded uh, in 2018 by Maxime Bernier. Mm -hmm. So he was a member of the Conservative Party and was kind of the anointed son that was going to take over and be the next Prime Minister of Canada and told them that, yeah, he wasn't going to play the old game. He wanted to make some significant changes and he basically got run out of the party um, and started his own party. Uh-huh. It's, uh, yeah, we ran we ran candidates in in the majority of ridings in the last two elections, and the percentage of vote pretty much tripled in the last one. And um, wow, yeah, it's it's exciting to be a part of, right? And to see some real change for a guy like me. So I just turned forty nine. The first time I cast a vote was a reform vote back in the day, and the Bloc Quebecois formed the official opposition which, you know, kind of soured me on the whole idea. It's like, this doesn't seem like democracy. So that would be like if California formed the official opposition for the states. Uh Uh-huh, okay. We've got one province that held that much political power. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kind of didn't pay attention. I got to working and I got to living. And like most Canadians, right? Politics Mm -hmm. is gross. And it's easier just not to watch it or pay attention to it. Right. Yep. And it wasn't until an army buddy actually got me, uh, uh, a buddy of mine from my regiment, he got me into trading options in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I started paying closer attention to the news cycle again. Mm -hmm. And I was completely baffled um, watching the decisions that were being made in this country, watching billions of dollars flee our jurisdiction and like choices a six-year-old could have made this is good for canada and this isn't good for canada and every choice that was being made was bad for canada and watch them dismantle our our uh, energy production uh infrastructure and it was it was alarming and then at the same time which i recognize now and i don't know um the american equivalent down there but in in 2015 uh, Stephen Harper, our prime minister at the time up here, uh, he he signed Canada up for agenda UN Agenda 2030. Mm-hmm. Saw that massive shift in dialogue, just the language being used in the media and everything. That's when we saw the rise of all these transgender issues and fourth wave feminism and the UNDRIP and and all that. There was just a really big shift in the language mm-hmm. and. It doesn't seem like my views are any longer congruent with my country's. I actually thought about leaving Canada. Uh Aha. Interesting. 
I didn't know where I'd go. I was just like, I've served my country my entire, yeah, my entire adult life. And if my views aren't congruent with that country's, then do I, do I want to be here anymore? And it wasn't until my daughter, um, who was doing some upgrading at university at the time, she came home after three months um, at Simon Fraser. And it was, it was, it was alarming, right? We live in an oppressive patriarchy that's oppressive to women and minorities and her complete disdain for all things Canadian. And it, and it just, the, the country that I, you know, grew up serving and love and that she had this opinion of who we are, it alarmed me. And I decided to get involved politically. Interesting. I was wondering what motivated you to get involved politically. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad to me, right, that she had that opinion of us. Mm -hmm. That's the narrative, and, you know, you have the same thing going on down in the States, but they're telling us that Canada is one of the most, you know, loving, open nations on the planet. And the the things that we're saying in the media here were, were built on a legacy of genocide and murder and racism, and it's like, what? That's that's the exact opposite of what we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... And I see the same thing, you know, happening down in the States, right? They just, they seem to be actively rewriting history as we go. And it's alarming to watch. And I decided rather than leave, um, yeah, I'd stay and fight. Good for you. Good for you. Well, and 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 now being this far into it, because I see people fleeing. Like, I've got a lot of friends that have taken off to Mexico and Costa Rica. And yeah. And it's like, where do you go? Mm-hmm. This is happening everywhere. I know. Right? Yep. So, yeah, we see we see jurisdictions within the U.S. where it seems to be better um, for the time being. But we know these, we know the plan. We know where they're going and they're all in. So whether you face it here or in Texas or in the jungles of Costa Rica, I don't think there's anywhere to go to escape it. So. Yeah, I mean, there are, are areas that will be easier. Obviously, um, we're both lucky we don't live in a city. Uh, and yeah. I think that certainly makes it easier. I really feel like these last couple of years have been much easier for me because I'm living out in the country. You know, I basically have not worn a mask. I, I think in the beginning, maybe I did maybe an hour or two total. But I just decided that it's like you're breathing, po it's poisonous and it's not healthy and I'm not going to do it. So if a store wouldn't accept, I didn't even want to wear a clear face shield, but I decided I would do that if I needed to. And if a store wouldn't accept that, well, guess what? You don't get my money. Great. <laughs> Go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I shopped and supported the retail establishments that their policy was, um, you know, that masks or any face covering was optional. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the insidious way that they rolled this out where, cause right. It's not the police that are making you put a mask on. Mm -hmm. It's the, yeah. It's the stock boys at Canadian tire. Right. Like this is this is how they do it. And you and I don't know if it's the same down in the States, but um, with the pressure of insurance and local health authorities, they put the they seem to put the impetus on small business much harder 
than the big stores. So you could go into the big stores and no one would really mess with you, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. if you went into a small business, they're just, yeah, they completely hammered down on you, right? So you stopped going. It's like, well, I'm not wearing a mask. So, you know, I may get some looks and some sneers in Walmart, but I don't get thrown out of the store. So, right. and yeah, and now you see all these small businesses going out because they've been forced to do this and the division that it creates between people. Right. Like, yeah, I just... This COVID-19, I'm in awe of it as a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, throughout history, they've they've uh, found all these different things that would they could divide us, you know, black versus white, gay versus straight, Muslim versus Christian, you know, all these wedges to divide and conquer. And here they've come up with a weapon that drives a wedge between husband and wife, yep. parent, child, brother and sister, best friends, right? You either got the spell or you don't have the spell. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. They have been able to atomize our our population like never before in history. It's it's remarkable to see. I know, and it's so obvious to me that it's not about health. I mean, I was just reading um, on Telegram the Ice Age farmer, and he said that in the last two, I think in the last two months, was that it was eight. It was either eighteen or it was more than eighteen, either food processing plants or or food storage, uh, you know, facilities for distribution have burnt. Yeah. What? Food storage has become very dangerous in the last five years. Yeah. Corn silos spontaneously exploding and stuff like that. You just look at all these things. I know. There's a concerted effort going on dismantling our food infrastructure on around the planet right now. Right. And and all you hear is there's going to be food shortages. Um, you know, you better better be prepared, blah, blah, blah. And then they're paying I what was I reading? In the UK, they're paying farmers, I think it's a hundred thousand pounds a one time payment to stop farming. Yes. And and then at the same time, so they're saying that on one hand, and on the other hand, they're saying there's going to be a food shortage. I mean, come on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers that people aren't, you know, holding their feet to the fire over this. Yeah, casually stating there's going to be food shortages. And Christian's great uh, from Ice Age Farmer. He he, I found no one better at compiling evidence for all this stuff from all over the planet mm-hmm. and you look like the u.s department of agriculture fudging the numbers right having these pollyanna outlooks on uh u.s agricultural production to keep the the to keep the um rates low for farmers and then going back after the fact and fudging and and putting in the real numbers right right it's it's insane what's going on mm-hmm. and the fact that this isn't the front, yeah, the top story on every news hour, right? Instead, it's, you know, COVID-19, and now we switch to, you know, supporting Ukraine. Um, they just, the old bait and switch and distraction. So they've got everyone terrified about all these threats that really don't exist, while the ones that do are just completely ignored. Right. And just to top it off, murdering all of these farm animals. Uh, because they're testing positive on a PCR test that doesn't even test for anything that's not even accurate. Yeah. 
Oh my God! These pigs have uh, nucleotides in them. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's call hundreds of millions of. They did that in China too, right? Like I remember African swine fever. They were saying, yeah, two years ago, I think they they killed three hundred million pigs, and they're saying it's here now. And and over in England, they've been gassing uh, backyard chickens. They've been going, yeah, they've been going through neighborhoods, backing uh, gassing backyard chickens. Nobody's Just, nobody's yeah. touching my chickens. <laughs> I'll tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, try that. Yeah, try that shit in the Kootenays and see how it goes for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not gonna fly. It, it's criminal. It's criminal. It's disgusting. The people who are actually, uh, what's the word I want to use? That you know, they're the ones who are actually doing this, right? Where is their mind? that it's okay to slaughter millions of animals and to encourage farmers not to farm and and to you know just destroy people's ability to produce food or you know I, where where are they where are they coming from i i, I just can't even the spells are powerful right and i don't know i've been asking myself that for the last two years, right? Having gone through this pandemic in the ERs and watching just the complete insanity of all these things and, and speaking out and just completely getting shot down. Well, let's go into that. Okay. Since you brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So (laughs) mine's kind of a funny story because I, so because I pay attention to this kind of stuff, uh, COVID was on my radar in December of 2019. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. When people weren't even talking about it here. Right. It's just, yep. I was watching stuff and there's this atypical pneumonia showing up and it's la, 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 la. And it's like, okay. And my initial gut reaction was like, oh, this is just more bullshit. Um, and were you working in the ER then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been working. I've been working. I started off in pediatrics okay. uh, at Alberta Children's in, in Calgary. Um, took time off for Afghanistan. When I came back, I transitioned to adult uh, okay. emergency. I've been emergency nurse my entire career. Okay. And uh, yeah, for 16 years, all all over Western Canada. Okay. Worked in lots of different emergencies, emergencies, and did contract nursing up in Northern Alberta. And yeah, so I've got a pretty yeah, I got a pretty wide variety of health authorities and hospitals that I've worked in, but emerges emerge. And, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, like I said, I was, I, I was seeing this stuff and my initial reaction was like, Oh, this is, yeah, this is uh, a bunch of nonsense. They're just trying, they're fear mongering. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because it, <laughs> it was the other times, right. You look at H1N1. That was one of the best cold and flu seasons we've had in a while. And yeah, there were some atypical presentations where some young guys in their thirties died. But overall mortality was it was a it was a good year, but the WHO changed the definition of pandemic right that had nothing to do with morbidity and mortality anymore. It was just a case demic, right? So ah okay, yeah, Let's, so yeah it, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so it's it, it was manipulation, and this is how they fight this war, right? With language. They change definitions of words or expand meanings and people flee out from under those meanings to remain politically correct. And um, but, yeah, when they're actively changing 
what words mean to be able to fit their definitions, mm-hmm. you know, you got to you got to start asking questions. So I, I was overseas. I, I remember watching it on the news when we get back to base or at the at the yeah with forward operating bases and we had access to tv and watching watching it on the news i'm like man i'm so glad i'm over here and not working <laughs> so so how was it changed john what what was it before you know this whole covid thing started and what did they change it to well the they made it into something it was not and as an outside observer watching the, the the swine flu pandemic in 2009 2010 mm-hmm. it it just struck me as and i got to talk i look a little different i like i was over i was doing psychological operations in afghanistan at the time okay. so i look at the news a little different than you're in than than most people mm-hmm. but it looked to me like a trial run right mm. so influenza has always come from the way i've been educated anyways right which is a lot of that is turning out to be fiction so right Mm-hmm. Hard to determine what's real, but I always thought flus come from China because of the agricultural interface between, uh, yeah, domesticated animals and living close with with humans. The WHO is always cooking up the flus in uh, that they that they see in China, right? But this one popped up in Mexico City, and from day one they were tracking it like a game show, and it's just like it struck me right away. I'm like, this looks like a trial run for something. Like they just yeah, I just remember it, it struck me as odd. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. When, when I started noticing this stuff in two, December, mm-hmm. I just blew it off as like, this is ridiculous stuff again. And then I got fooled. Some people that I trust, smart people that were, yeah, putting out content and they were sending out these videos from China and South Korea and Iran. And it was making this thing look really scary. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there is something to this, right? Mm -hmm. Because these are sources that I trust. And this is looking like it could be end of day stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, being a frontline healthcare worker, I'm going to be, yeah, this is going to be in my face when it gets here. So I start right away stealing my mind for what's coming, right? Yeah. Psychologically preparing myself. Okay, this is going to be nasty. You're going to lose people that you care about, you work with, because it seems to be killing healthcare workers a lot. And it's just like, okay, well, time to get uh, time to get the game face on. Mm-hmm. Within a couple of weeks, so and being at work where everyone's laughing about the run on toilet paper and it's just a big joke. COVID nineteen is starting to be on the radar, but every no one's taking it seriously. But I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, okay, you're a crazy person. And then within a couple weeks, it was like, yeah, the numbers just don't make sense, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I think I got fooled by this, whether it was disaster actors or whether they were just framing it for something else or I, I don't know. But I came to the conclusion that my initial assessment was right and that this was just going to be a bunch of nonsense. And I was coming to those conclusions just as everyone in my department started to get really scared of it. So I was completely out of sync. (laughs) (laughs) I was scared of it when no one, yeah, when everyone thought it was a joke. And then when everyone, yeah, started to take it seriously, I was like, nope, nope, this is a joke. (laughs) But it was remarkable to see the changes. So you'd show up to work and policies 
would change like three, four times in a shift sometime. Wow. You have the clinical educators coming around. They're like, you got to wear your mask all the time now. Or then, no, don't, you're only with patient care. And they would come around and they would change policy. Yeah, sometimes two, three times a shift. Like it was ridiculous. And then the one that really, the one that really stuck in my craw was I got pulled up to the front and we were doing this little in service and they're like, okay, so if EMS brings someone in in arrest, okay, so as soon as they get to the door here, you know, we stop CV, CPR and breathing for them and we cover them with the tarp and then we move them over um, to the COVID room. We had taken our, our, our third trauma room. They had put a, a negative pressure system in and, and a little gateway to turn it into, yeah, to turn it into an isolation room. So everyone would, you know, don their, their PPE and get ready to take care of someone. And right away, I'm like, this is insane. Jeez. Right? You're going to stop breathing and CPR on a person <laughs> because they might have a cold with a 99.97% survival rate? Wow. Like, how is that conducive with with good patient outcomes? Like, this is, this is batshit crazy. And right away, I'm the asshole. Hmm. This is what we're doing. Get with the program. And it was, it was, it was tough, right? Like, cause I, I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is insanity. Like this, this isn't helping people. Like that's why I got in this job to, to help and take care of people. And the willingness to just throw out all your common sense and just go with it because that's what's coming down from the clinical educators. And you could see some of them were struggling with it too, but they went along with it. Right. Yeah. Cause I question like, really, how does this make sense? Like think about what you're saying right now and their inability, their inability to question it. So I had another, we call them huddles where we just get together in the main, main area of the department and talk about stuff. And um, one of the educators was, or was the manager that was saying, um, yeah, we want to set a good example. So we would like you to put your mask on in your car as you walk to work, right? So I just stuck my hand up and I'm like, how about we set an example and call bullshit on all this stuff? This is ridiculous. I know. When, when I see people with a mask on in their car, I just, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, so they want to, so yeah, there's no mandate outside. Um, but to set a good example for the public, we want you wearing a mask as you walk into the hospital. And it was just like, this is, it's all virtue signaling. So there was, a, he used to be our chief of staff. He'd moved up the ladder, ladder a couple of rungs. And I ran into him in minor treatment one day and I put him against the wall. And I was just like, dude, what are we doing? Like, this is summertime in the Okanagan. We're on complete lockdown. Everyone's terrified. The hospital's friggin' empty. They're lying on the news about everything, right? And for, uh, yeah, for the viewers that don't know the Okanagan, it's kind of like a little, it's like the California of Canada mm -hmm. and it's a retirement. It's a retirement. It's, it's the, the valley's about 120 miles long and there's lots of old folks' homes in there and stuff like that. So we have the potential given this, this thing that looks as contagious as it is, like we got we got the potential of it going through there like a California wildfire. Yeah, right. And I told him this. I'm like, we should be going aiming for the highest transmission rates we can possibly get here in the summertime. 
so we don't get absolutely hammered come cold and flu season. And he's nodding his head. He's like, I agree with everything you just said. And I hope we start making better clinical decisions. And that's when I said, I need to leave this place if I want to keep my license. So that's when I moved down here to Grand Forks. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I left the big tertiary care facility with all the super educated specialists and super smart people who didn't have a freaking clue what was going on. And then I come down here with the hillbillies and the farmers <laughs> and they seem to know what was going on. Although, you know, with enough, with the persistence of our media that slowly went away too here, but yeah, it was, it was a really hard thing to watch because people that I know and I love and I work with that I know are good nurses, their inability to see what was happening. And, you know, and this has become more obvious as we move along through this, like we live in different realities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. like you can be standing there right next to someone looking, watching the news, watching something happen, and you're seeing something completely different than, the, than what they're seeing. Yeah. And I don't know if we've ever had something like this before in history, right? Certainly not to this extent. Yeah, like who knows? We've been. It looks like they've lied about everything in our history too. So, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I know. It's an amazing time, right? It Where really you have is. different, yeah, different segments of the population living in two different realities mm -hmm. that are completely incongruous with each other. I know it's amazing. It really is, yeah. and and uh, like I said to you before we started recording from all of the different things now that I'm learning and in, in these last couple of years, it's like we have to pretty much just throw out most of the history we've learned that it's, it's not, yeah. it's not accurate. It's been, it's propaganda. It's been fed to us to, to keep us in, I guess, a, a sleep state. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. And before you started recording, I said, I told you that I'd like to hear how the, the catalyzing event that you brought you that will open your eyes. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there was a catalyzing event. It's been kind of a gradual, but I, a lot of it actually might be my interest in ETs and 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 how they've you know how they've interacted with the planet. And there are so many different. Uh, how do I want to say? Not stories, but kind of presentation of of what's going on. And they're just, they're totally different. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's almost dizzying and just like, you know, nine 11, um, JFK. I mean, all of these, all of these crises that have happened uh, over the last 50, 60 years and, you know, what we thought they were. And now there are a lot of people who realize that it, wasn't what we were bought and sold. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of it's really become very obvious that these weren't just one-offs, you know, even Pearl Harbor and, you know, it goes back farther and farther that it's, it's all part of a cabal operation, um, deep state, whatever you want to call it, operations that you know, we were, we were told we're legitimate and I'm finding it interesting to be in a place where 
so much of the information that I've been taught I can't trust. And yeah. and to not let it just totally, you know, tear me apart. To to let it be okay, kind of, you know, um, and and still like delve into it and and process it, but it really it's kind of like a dissociative thing in your mind. Like, what am I? What is this place? What am I? What am I? Where am I living? I mean, yeah. you know, like I said to you, I've, I mean, I've even come to the point where, okay, is the Earth round or is it flat? I don't know. I mean, really, can we trust anything right now? It's almost like we have to question everything. Yeah. And and well, that that's tiring. <laughs> yeah. And and like we said before too, does it matter? Yeah. Right. Right? If yeah. yeah. Whatever, yeah. If it's yeah, if it's a globe, if it's if it's flat, if it's oval, if it's a hundred times bigger than they told us, like does it really change our day to day? Right. Um like for me, because it as we all know now, like there's different levels of awake mm -hmm. and yes. I always thought I was awake. Right. Cause same thing. Like I, I didn't get it right away, but you know, there was enough stuff that came out and it was like nine 11 was obviously an inside job. Right. Well, at first I didn't, I didn't think that. I didn't, I didn't think so either, but yeah. as soon as you start looking at it mm -hmm. and that's their job, right. Is to distract us from looking at it. So you look at, yeah, you look at the, like the word conspiracy theory, right? That was introduced by the CIA as a weaponized term by the CIA for those that were questioning the Warren report that was, yeah, questioned, uh, that was put out, you know, describing the JFK assassination, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. if you look at that stuff and mainstream history, right? Like we, we usually know more about what happened 80 years ago than what happened today because what gets declassified. Right. But I yeah, like I knew Pearl Harbor, I knew JFK, 9-11, the Lusitania, Gulf of Tonkin, all these things over and over and over again. But I still believed the majority of the worldview that was presented to me. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. for me, it was March of 2020 when COVID was just starting to ramp up and the market crashed and everything like that. I uh, went down a rabbit hole that took me to to some information that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me mm -hmm. and that was that was world war ii history right mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. i've been studying since i was a little kid i took world war ii history in university and and being a proud member of the canadian armed forces for 19 years right we study our own history and battle honors and all that stuff and to come to realize that the majority of that was fiction mm -hmm. um like we're always told that the winners write the history book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gross I grossly underestimated the the size and the audacity of the lies. Mm -hmm. And coming to the conclusions that I did, it forced me. It's like, okay, if if these things are are untrue, and these are touchstones that we look to as who we are as a, as a civilization. What else have they lied about? And in order to have any integrity as a person moving forward, I'm forced to reevaluate everything. Mm -hmm. And yep. a funny thing happened. As soon as I made that decision in my mind, yeah, weird shit started happening. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to run into these people and we have these conversations about, yeah, just crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been, it's been, 
it's been amazing, you know, and I look at, um, it's funny, I was about a year ago, I was uh, on a speaking tour, my buddy, my good buddy, Mark Friesen, um, him and a couple of friends started uh, the Forum for Canadian Sovereignty. And we're mm-hmm. like the one NGO in this country out of tens of thousands that is anti-UN Agenda 2030. Uh-huh. And we were doing a speaking engagement tour down in the Lower Mainland. Uh, Maxime Bernier came out for a little bit of it. And as I w- as we were going and having these talks, it struck me that COVID-19, as evil and as terrible as it is, is a blessing, right? This was their bridge too far. This is the catalyzing event that's waking the world up. Yeah, I agree. Right? I agree. And, you know, and, and yeah, with all the, with all the, the, the terrible things that we've seen and, and the division and the, the absolute murder of the family unit that this has caused, you know, with divorces and people not talking to their own children mm-hmm. because yep. they're either vaxxed or unvaxxed, whichever side of the fence they fall down on. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just absolutely insidious. But it took something like this to to wake people up, right? Yes, and, I agree. You know, you, and you, we all struggle with it. I tell you, I went into, yeah, I kind of went into a dark place there for a while, coming to realize that the, mo- the majority of things that I thought I knew were fiction. But enlightenment is a destructive process, right? Mm-hmm. It's the process of tearing down the lies that you've built your world on. And once you do that, um, I find when I look around, um, the majority of the population is unwilling to go through that hardship. They would rather, they would rather go with a comfortable lie. Well, I think it makes it easier if you can, like, I've been listening to Cliff High for the last couple of years. Okay. And Cliff is, I mean, his mind, he is so, he speaks so intelligently and deeply about so many subjects and his knowledge of history is amazing. And so just gradually learning about history and, and what's the background to what's going on um, in his you know, in his little videos. And so I was gradually, I, he kind of brought me along gradually, <laughs> which helps, <Yeah>. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult process to go through, right? Mm-hmm. But once you, come to, once you come to the realization of where and what you are, mm-hmm. I find it so ridiculous. You know, I've been an atheist my whole life. Okay. I was educated in the Rockefeller healthcare system. I was, I've been a science guy, science guy. So I got involved in politics and now I believe in God and I bought a farm, you know, <laughs> getting ready for, yeah, getting ready for uh, what looks like the collapse of our civilization. I wouldn't trade the comfort for the not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've been, we've been convinced from from birth that you know we're, we're physical beings looking for the spiritual experience when like everything else to tell me it's a, it's an inversion of the truth right? right absolutely yes we're spiritual beings having a brief physical experience and our conduct here matters yes and i look at the the cowardice among my countrymen 
And it, um, you know, as disturbing as it is, I also see, I also see the courage and the people getting off their knees, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's incredible the time that we're at. And for some reason, since I started this journey, you know, I feel we were built for this time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I feel so blessed to be here. Cause I got to tell you, if you need, like I've, I carried a gun for this country for almost two decades I've served every community I've lived in since I've been a young man and I'm not allowed to get on an airplane or go to a restaurant <laughs> or leave the country. But I tell you, I've never felt so free. Mm, interesting. Because I know what I am mm-hmm. and I know what they are. And once you see the game, the liberation is, yeah. And this, And this is the thing, this is, you know, like the way I the way I look at it, we're about a 90-10 split right now. You know, like you got the one eye club that's implementing this and rolling out. You got a group of people that got it figured out, but they're making so much money they don't give two shits. Mm-hmm. And they're you know, they're complicit in it. And then you got the largest segment of people that are the useful idiots, right? They mm-hmm. believe what the news tells them. They think that there's a massive global pandemic that's gonna kill them all and our biggest threats are the climate emergency and systemic racism. And the only answer to every question is the, the warm embrace of government. And then you've got the people that I'm kind of the most frustrated with that, you know, they're just going along to get along. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really want to see the new Spider-Man movie. So I'll get the shot to, you know, people getting the shot to take, to keep their job, to be able to go travel, to be able to go to the bar, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to, but they're going along with it. And then you have us, right? Mm-hmm. Who know what we are, who know, who've recognized the fact that we're in a war and it's an ancient war and it's a spiritual war mm-hmm. and our resolve is infinite. And that's why I take our 10 over their 90 any day of the week, right? Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't buy that. You can't scare people into that. You either have it or you don't. And it's, it's weird. I don't know why I got the, the nod. Yeah, me too. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel so blessed that I, you know, that I've been, that I've been given the eyes to see and the ears to hear. I don't know why, like it was nothing that I did. I don't think, mm-hmm. but recognizing that this is an intrinsic thing. I'm done trying to convince, you know, I got involved. I got involved in the, the protest movement a couple of years ago because everyone was going around talking about COVID-19, you know? And I, I show up and I'm like, this has nothing to do with COVID-19. This is globalism. This is, you know, new world order, communist takeover, whatever you want to call it. This is just a mechanism. And people looked at us like we we're crazy. And then within, you know, six months to a year, that's all they're talking about. Right. So the, the conversation is yep. moving and I've kind of re-engaged with the protest movement because I'm done trying to convince anyone of anything. Right. Yeah. My message now is we need to build community and mm-hmm. we need to, we need to prepare ourselves. You know, um, everyone talks about compliance, you know, universal non-compliance. I think this has less to do about compliance and almost everything to do with reliance. If mm-hmm. you rely on the beast system, they have leverage over you. 
right? True. Yep. If you've got a strong community and you're growing your own food and you're you're educating your own kids, mm-hmm. what do they have to offer you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. Right? And as this civilization crumbles before our eyes, you know, we need to start laying the foundations for the next one. And what an amazing gift to be a part of that. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And you know, I I'm in I'm in politics now, but I don't think politics is solving this. I don't think anything's stopping yeah. what's coming, right? Like mm-hmm. we need to fight it. Right. I don't think lawyers are stopping this, but we they need to fight it, right? We need to fight mm-hmm. this war on every front we can because it's being waged against us on every front that they can. Right. Right. And coming to the recognition that it's like, what a gift we've been given. Because can you think of a higher purpose than being in this fight? Not right now. (laughs) It's because there fucking isn't one. Yeah. We've been gifted with the highest purpose there is. We're inevitable. You know, how dark it has to get remains to be seen. Um, that's that's kind of the frustrating part, right? Because as soon yep. as enough people say no, this is over. Right. Yeah, there's way more of us, right? If people just say no, I really do agree with Chris Sky on that. Just say no. Yep. United non-compliance. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't if you don't feel it's right, I mean, if you feel it's right to wear a mask, then wear one. But if you're wearing one and you know it's not right or you have an inkling that it's not right, don't effing do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sean, before we uh, – I'd like to back up just a little bit because there's something that I wanted to cover okay. with you. And that's what you saw – Okay, so before the the jabs, I don't want to call them vaccines, the genetic therapy, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Before those started, what you saw in the emergency room and what you saw since the since the jabs. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, so I I was down here working in Grand Forks and we were doing drive by swabbings, right? So people would call. I was like, I got the sniffles or whatever. So they'd show up. They'd show up in the parking lot, and I'd gown up and I go out there and I'd swab them in their car and then we do the test right and mm-hmm. I'm and I'm swabbing all these like super young healthy people and I'm asking them like why are you getting this done right mm-hmm. and they're like well we were up we were up in Kelowna and so it was like well there's a massive outbreak there <laughs> so I check out the news and I'm like oh okay well I work there but I haven't heard of this but so I watch the news and, and Dr. Bonnie Henry's on the news and there's a massive outbreak in Kelowna. Healthcare workers are going down. Uh, hundreds of new cases. Her exact words, we're on the edge here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm an Emerge guy. Why do I work in Emerge? Because it's ridiculous. I, Yeah, that's what I like, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go up and I'll work in that. So on my day's off, I picked up some overtime shifts. I go in there. The hospital's empty. I hear that over and over. Right? <clears throat> the hospital's empty. And I'm working triage and people are coming in and they're bawling. They're so terrified to be in the hospital. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm holding hands and giving hugs in the in, in the triage booth. And it's just like, it's okay. There's no COVID here. Right? Like, they've, 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 
yeah, they've, they've exaggerated things on the news. And so the, the, the healthcare workers that went down, there was five nurses that were dumb enough to put their own names on the contact tracing mm. at uh, the cactus club up here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they were all asymptomatic. They just got PCR tested because I think we were running, I don't know, between 35 and 40 cycles at that time. So of the course. Fog, it was just, yeah. Yeah. Right. So there was no, yeah. So I actually worked in the COVID zone that for a while that day. And we didn't have a single COVID admission in the hospital. <laughs> right. But on the news, yeah, the sky is falling. We're having a massive outbreak. Healthcare workers are going down. Like it was insane. And, and that was kind of, for me, is like, oh, they're lying about everything. You know, so I worked in Kelowna since 2015 and our hospital lived between 115 and 130% capacity. Right. Okay. We were always over capacity and we were at 65 during that. They dropped it down to 60 to 65, right. To get ready for this massive global pandemic that just, it wasn't happening in my 16 years of working as an emergency nurse. It was by far the best cold and flu season I have ever seen. Right. Mm-hmm. And cold and flu season in Kelowna with all the, reti- yeah, with all the retirement homes around there, it's a rough go. Like 2017 was a rough go. We had 25 patients in the hallways. People were dying in the hallways. Right. Wow. They're saying, mm-hmm. they're saying now, you know, well, the ICUs are full. I've been an emergency nurse for 16 years and I've been babysitting vented patients in the emergency for 16 years because the ICUs are always full, mm-hmm. right? It ebbs mm-hmm. and flows. Some days they got beds, some days they don't, right? It's, it's, uh, it's always a moving target, but they've always been full. And the, the way they just consistently out and out lie about everything. It, um, and then if you talk about it, you get fired like I did, right? Mm-hmm. During the last election, I was on the campaign trail. It was so weird because we weren't allowed to have live audiences. So we do these, we do these broadcasted Zoom chats and stuff like that. Mm, okay. And uh, the biggest forum here was in Penticton. And we did, a, we did kind of a live event with no live audience, but all of it, <laughs> all the candidates showed up and they, they filmed it and they live streamed it. So I'd be like, we're in the process of implementing medical apartheid in this nation. And I talked about vaccine injuries and I talked about all these things and it was crickets. The, the media wouldn't address it. The other candidate is like, I didn't even say anything. Wow. No one, no one would even address it. And then I got some calls the next morning and it was like, Hey, we saw the debate last night. Good job. Yeah. We watched it again this morning. They edited out everything you said. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, so the Penticton Herald actually went out and edited. So you can watch it. It's still on there. But I, yeah, I'm like, blip, 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 blip. they just cut out everything that I said about the about my observed reality. Because mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. even really talk about the vaccines. What do I know about vaccines? I'm a, I'm a soldier and a nurse. I'm not a scientist. Right? So what did you see in the ER after the, the shots started? People started getting their co- okay. quote unquote COVID vaccine. So, right. Yeah. Well, one of the girls that worked in our facility, she was paralyzed from the chest down and Mm. with significant cognitive impairments with the first shot. They lied to us about it. I, I asked, I'm like, was there a staff member that had a, that had a vaccine injury? And they're like, nope, nope. Jeez. Um, you know, 
another yeah one of the, one of the one of the other ladies that I work with she had a heart attack shortly after but the, and this is a thing because people have heart attacks mm-hmm. and people have strokes and people have blood clots but you would just see this this um constellation of this nebulous friggin autoimmune inflammatory thing go on with people right so Mm -hmm. um like i talked with one one emerging nurse down on the coast right she's like the coles we're seeing like just over and over and over again so yeah if you eat a fatty diet and you know maybe you got some gallstones rattling around in there but now all of a sudden boom like cholecystitis is going through the roof right for for what we saw tons and tons of vestibular neuritis Mm. right where people come in hardcore vertigo constant vomiting and and lots like some days the majority of what we saw was vaccine related mm-hmm. right we had a very high uptake in uh in my in the community of grand forks um i saw seizures i saw yeah just global uh neuropathies and tremors and uh vision problems um post-vax itp um idiopathic thrombocytopenia where your platelets just get wiped out and you get bleeding disorders and you start bleeding from your gums and your rectum and your mm, yeah um so yeah we, we had this one poor guy and he yeah he had the full body tremors uh vision problems persistent tachycardias mm. um shortness of breath like yeah no history like non-smoker no history of asthma or copd or anything but like hardcore COPD like, uh, presentation. And I remember, right. You just standing at the, at, a, at the foot of his bed and the doctor scratching his head. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, we'll have to send him the Kelowna for a neuro consult. It's like, it's pretty obvious what's going on here. Like the guy was fine. He got the shot and now everything, every system in his body is just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it was remarkable. And like I say, the power of the spells. So I had this one guy, 65 year old guy, uh, super healthy. He was out mowing the lawn and thundered in and had it like a five minute, uh, grand mal seizure. Oh God. Yeah. So like hard, like post phase, he was, yeah. Decreased LOC, uh, incontinent, but mm. he was kind of getting his wits about him by the time they got him transported in. And his biggest concern was his ability to he, he's like i'm i'm booked for my second shot on saturday like this isn't going to screw that up is it oh geez so i kind of i'm like hey man like i'd hold off if i were you and right away starts arguing with me wow and so i kind of look around I'm like is this guy going to report me as an anti-vaxxer or what? like i'm just like i'm like dude i'm not saying the vaccine did this to you i'm just saying hey let's hold off on the experimental gene therapies until we figure out why you had your first seizure in 65 years mm-hmm. right that's all i'm saying and he's and he's talking to me like i'm an idiot i'm like okay well i'm just the guy that works here every day <laughs> wow but yeah i'm yeah i'm the idiot so it's <sighs> It's yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. One one that one that really and I've never really heard anyone else talk about this. Bee sting. Yeah, I wanted you to talk about this because we had talked about this before. So I noticed, yeah, so in emergency, you always see, yeah, in the summertime, you always see a couple bee stings, you know, one, two, three a year. 
we were seeing, yeah, I was seeing one or two a day and like full on anaphylaxis, you know, wow. epi, epi with, uh, with, with, uh, EMS. And then we'd come in, they'd come in, we'd hit them with the solumedrol and ranitidine and epi again, and then they'd rebound and epi again. And it was like full on cytokine storm. Right. Wow. And, um, and it, and it just got to the point is like, I didn't even, I'd be just asked them, when did you get, when did you get vaccinated? And they're like, how did you know? How did you know I was vaccinated? It's like, well, we're we're seeing a lot of this, and no history of allergies. The last guy I actually had, I'm just, uh, I asked him, have you ever been stung by a bee before? He's like, dude, I'm a friggin' beekeeper. I'm like, well, uh, not no more. You're not. And talking with one of the one of the doctor, one of the younger doctors that I worked with, who was starting to get it right you starting to see this and I'm, i go to him i'm like hey man how long have you been a doctor he's like since 2015 I'm like okay i've been doing this 16 years i have never ever seen the volume of full-on anaphylactic bee stings like we've been seeing and he just as soon as i said it his eyes kind of he's like yeah i had three my last shift gee right so sometimes when you're working, you'll get, you, you know, you just happen to be there for everything in one. And it looks like you're getting a run of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it just happened to happen on your shift. I wasn't on that shift, right? Like this was how he had three in one shift. And wow. it's just, that's unheard of. But no one's talking about that. And they, no one would call that a vaccine injury. And that was the other thing too. You look at the incentivization that they used to. So we've got you know, down, down uh, in the States, it's called VAERS up here. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was, but they game it out, right? How do you get people not to report it? Well, you create a reporting system that's so cumbersome that no doctor's going to do it, right? right? So they give you this eight page booklet that's, you know, super, super complex and hard to fill out. Mm -hmm. And the couple of doctors that actually took the time to fill it out because they don't get paid for it. Right. Right. Like, like if you fill out a WCB form, there's a billing for a WCB form, but there's no, there's no billing to fill out this form. Right. And I, it's my understanding. It takes a half hour to fill out. And if you screw up and you have to go back, you got to start all over again. And and that's a half hour for one patient. Totally. Totally. Right. So that's the, and so I saw a few of them get filled out. And then they were sent back. And it's like, well, this is the wrong lot number. Or you, you missed one of the lot numbers or la, 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 right? So like less than 1% of the stuff was getting reported, mm -hmm. right? And like docs wouldn't even see it. It was, yeah, one of our docs, one of our docs uh, got the vestibular neuritis. And he was just, yeah, it's just a post-viral vestibular neuritis. And it's like, really? <laughs> Dude, we've seen 12 this week. Really? It's it's post-viral? Yeah, it's the summertime. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, but, and then what? If the uh and if the reaction happens within 14 days of getting the shot, that's not considered to be vaccinated. So Yeah. The all of those aren't reported. They game they game the system, right? Mm -hmm. To make it not be reported. And I got to tell you like the psychological barriers that people have. So you you look, so you're a doctor, right? And you just you just go with the pro and they trust them. Like, 
because I used to get all my flu shots. I used to get all the, yeah, I used to get all the shots. And I probably should have known. Like when I deployed to Afghanistan, they're like, hey, where's your uh, where's your vaccine passport? I'm like, I don't have a vaccine passport. I'm like, all right, you're getting them all. So I got my MMR. I got, like I got an, a life's worth of vaccines before I deployed. Uh, and I got so sick. It wiped me out. I wound up, I went septic and and never again, never made the correlation. I just thought, oh, I, I cut my foot. I got uh, a bacterial infection and wound up in the in the ICU on IV antibiotics. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It never even entered my mind that the vaccines did it. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, yeah, looking back now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I understand, you know, not not seeing it. But you look at what these guys have done. So you've got a doctor. He's taken it. They've mm-hmm. given it to their, yeah, they've given it to their wife. They've given it to their kids. They've given it to their 400 patients. Like the psychological barrier to come to that realization that you've been lied to and you just harmed everyone that you love mm-hmm. and everyone that you're, yeah, that it's you're mandated to care for. It just seems like it's too much. I can only, I can imagine, yeah, that that would be way too right. much. I mean, how how do you reconcile that with do no with do no harm? Yeah. So I don't know if you heard it. Like I, there was a couple stories that popped up there. They seem to disappear right away about doctors committing suicide in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't really talk about it that much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I'm sure it's more than a couple, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, this, I mean, it's hard to hear all of this, but if we don't understand what's going on, we are not going to make good choices for ourselves and our loved ones. Right? Yeah. And and I think that's why it's, it, it, it seems to be, I've always thought, I've never really considered myself much of a warrior, but in these last couple of years, I feel like I've kind of become an information warrior. And because I know a lot of people say, Oh, I don't want to know, I couldn't, you know, I, I, I couldn't do all of that research. And I'm like, well, that just feels like that's my job right now to share. And sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I share stuff that isn't correct. Um, but I, you know, I try, I try not to do that. And I've also said, well, you know, in my sharing it, somebody knew, or they had information that I didn't have. And, and they pointed out that it wasn't correct. And that's great. If I didn't share it, I wouldn't have known, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than than criticize myself for doing that. And I just, I just feel like the more information we have, uh, the better decisions we can make and, and the better we can be prepared for, you know, we don't, we don't know, quote unquote, what's coming, but we have an idea. Yeah. Better to be more prepared than underprepared. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Most of the, most of the time I take my, I get my information from the enemy, right? Because mm-hmm. they tell us what they're going to do. Right. There seems to be a contract. They have to. They have to reveal to us. They're like a yeah. They're like a a poorly written Bond villain. They got to tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and through their lies, like you can you can kind of decipher. Well, if they're saying this is probably the the opposite of that. Well, I just recently talked to an ex CIA uh, guy who said that's the CIA's job is to lie. 
Yeah. <laughs> William, that guy's name. He was, yeah, in the late, is it 79? He said that. The, you will know our job is done when the American population has no idea what reality is. Hmm. I I guess I hadn't heard that. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's, and it's the spirit of it, right? Like you or I, we may be wrong, but we're not lying. Right. And you look at these guys and they may be technically right sometimes, but they're lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder have we grossly underestimated the number of one eye club within medicine? Yeah, I I agree. Because I, I see the things that are happening now. And I, because I've, I've done, I ask people like lay people that don't know, they haven't even done a first aid course. Right. And mm-hmm. you ask them, if you just had the flu, would you get a flu shot? And unanimously they say no. Right. If mm-hmm. you just had the chicken pox, would you get a chicken pox shot? No. If you just had the measles, would you just get the MMR? No. Yet. As soon as people come off the ventilator from COVID. They're giving them the COVID vaccine. Jeez. And killing them. Mm-hmm. So how do you circle that square? Like if if school kids know that. Like everyone in medicine knows that. So how do you do that? How do you put, how do you see someone who's just come off the the ventilator having survived COVID and then give them the COVID vaccine? Mm -hmm. It's criminal. That doesn't make any sense to me how people can do that. Right. I agree. And I see that. Like I've got a friend from Nacus. That's what happened to him. My buddy, Mark, I was, I was a, I became his kind of advocate because I had just been fired and he mm-hmm. wound up on a ventilator. So I went out and I sat in the ICU with him for seven hours a day for a month, you know? Wow. And, um, as soon as he, as soon as he woke up and they extubated him, they mm-hmm. started pushing the backs on him <laughs> and he still had the wherewithal to say no. Right. Uh, yeah. He's like pound sand. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. you got the ICU brain. You've been on. Yeah. You've been on ketamine and propofol for a month, wow. right? You're not, you, you don't have all your faculties there. And then mm-hmm. you got, yeah, you got professionals coming in. Oh, you need to get the vaccine. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Right. And yeah, they killed my buddy's mom like that. And you, you hear these stories happening over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't bad science. This isn't, this isn't a mistake. Um. How do you, how do you reconcile that? Mm-hmm. Because these are people that I work with and that I, yeah, they're my friends. And, you know, to see the attitudes change and they just glare at you and like, don't even think about getting sick because we're not going to help you if you come in here. Oh like, my God. Like, really? We just... <laughs> We just worked a code that like last week on that on that drug addict that overdosed in the park. Right? We did that together. We didn't question their life choices. We just helped them because that's what we do. But you're not gonna help me because I've chose not to put a an experimental gene therapy in my body after witnessing a year and a half of vaccine injuries, right? Like that's the stance that you're gonna take with me. Like it just it's insane the 
the reality that these people live in. I, I just, I don't understand it. Right. I don't understand it at all. Right. I, I don't either. And, and frankly, I've kind of, I've kind of gotten, uh, moved more to the point of not trying to understand anymore because I don't think I'm going to be able to. And it's no. very frustrating and depressing for me to want to understand, to try to understand and not be able to. And I'm just, I'm learning to let it go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I try, I try to show them a patience and an understanding that they seem incapable of. We need them to wake up. I want them to wake up. But I'm done putting energy into waking them up. I'm putting energy into surviving what's coming right. and building a strong community. Because I don't think just because, yeah, like, yes, we have hardships coming, but it doesn't mean you can't have a beautiful life, right? Right. And if you're, if you're focusing on, on family and friends and taking care of one another, there's going to be some bad things going on in some places. But it, re it reminds me of, you know, like Stalingrad mm -hmm. for the history that I'm aware of. That looks like probably one of the grossest things that ever has ever happened on this planet. Right. Mm -hmm. And while that was happening, there were small town kids in Alberta, you know, hunting and fishing and having a having a beautiful childhood. Shanghai may come close to that now. Is it, is it getting bad over there? Uh, Shanghai? I, oh, my God. There. I haven't been paying much attention. Mm, I, I, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, people are jumping out of buildings. Um, uh, who, who's, who was it that said they had a, a friend who lives in, oh, I think it was uh, Jeff Burwick, the dollar vigilante. He was saying that he has a friend that lives in Shanghai, but he's doing well. So he has food, but they're saying that they're giving Oreos and spam passing out every once in a while and and people are locked in their apartments their you know their homes and people are starving and they're murdering people's pets and i mean it's disgusting it it's just it, and what for I, I i guess they have the zero covid policy so if if you're in a, a say you're in a grocery store and i don't know they're going around testing people or whatever somebody tests positive then everybody's locked in the store that's it I mean, it's, it's so outrageous. Is it real? As far as I know. I mean, yeah. I, the, it's, I, it feels, yeah, it feels like it is. It really does. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, you look at all these things that are going on and all the deep fakes and all, you know, like the Ukraine. Right? Oh, I know. I know. Like it's so insane. I know. I don't think most people do not realize that that is like the center for corruption and for human trafficking. Oh, it, and that's the thing. It just, it drives me crazy. So yeah, so we, we've got a, we've got a lot of Dukabors up here. So 90% of the roads in my, in my town have Russian names. Same here. Right? But <laughs> Our regional district office has decided to virtue signal and fly a Ukrainian flag, right? Like the tone deafness of that. And it's all lies. Like, okay, what part of the Ukraine do you support? The money laundering or the drug dealing or the human trafficking or, you know, you just whoever, yeah, whatever puppet government the CIA sets up with their coups, that's who you decide to get behind. Mm -hmm. The ignorance of the majority 
of, of people, it's it's frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. And you just gotta you you gotta look at it. And I kind of that one makes me mad because it's just I know. Yeah, I know. There's so many people here that get it because and don't get the rest of it. They're double vaxxed and everything like that. But because they're Russian and they know kind of what's going on over there, mm-hmm. the insult it is to them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, hadn't even thought of that with the Dukabors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Like, because they know what's, not all of them, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy making. Well, Sean, we have to wrap up, even though we could go on for a long time. We've we've covered a lot of ground. I really, I really appreciate this conversation and, and, you know, a lot of the topics that we've covered. Is there something that you would like to wrap up with? You know, I just, I feel so blessed to have been given the nod. I, I don't know why I see it or why, you know, the people around me, why we see it and why the others don't. I hope more of them wake up. Um, but I'm extremely hopeful about the future. That doesn't mean that there isn't going to be bad things happening. But, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're burning our world down and we're going to build a new one. You know, and you look at the world we live in now we're poisoned every moment of of our existence from the moment of conception until the time we go home, they poison the water. We drink the air, we breathe the food we eat. Mm -hmm. We're bombarded with electromagnetic radiation and negative sound frequencies, you know, and on the other side of this, I believe that we'll, we'll build a world without all that and become the beautiful creatures that God intended us to be. And to be involved in that, what a gift, Mm -hmm. you know, and something that I just recently learned that I hadn't even thought of, because you're, you're talking about from, you know, the toxins, the poisons from the moment of conception, the toxic uh, floor cleaners, and and then babies are crawling around on the floor yeah, and getting that in through their skin. And, you know, and I thought, wow, I had never, I had never thought of that. You know, it's like a, a good place to start, you know, and then you add fluoride in the water and all the, all the the doses of vaccines that are, are given. Um, it's amazing that, that humans, I mean, humans really can tolerate a lot. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened to me. Like I remember, yeah, swallowing that delicious bubble gum flavored fluoride treatment in the dentist chair as a kid, but (laughs) maybe they just didn't give me enough. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I, I think we're going to have to weather a bit, right? Yeah. But we'll do it together. Yes. And you see the communities coming together. Um, it's it's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. And we just got to build a new world. That's all. You know, no big whoop. No big whoop. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much. I love your attitude. I really do. And that was, that was one of the things when we talked a couple weeks ago that really impressed me was you have been through so much. And you still are optimistic. You still have a, an upbeat attitude. And uh, and that's not always easy to do. And it's not always easy to find people who who can do that. And But I certainly honor you for for being able to to still have an optimistic outlook and, and still know that life can be good. So thank you. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's been really nice meeting you. And I uh, look forward to our, yeah, the next time we get together. That'd be wonderful. All right. God bless.
Well, thank you so much, Sean Taylor. This has been a wonderful conversation. I hope you all have enjoyed it. Uh, the podcast website is realjanine.com. Remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. You can download or just listen to episodes from there. And there's always a link to BitChute uh, on the podcast website. So if you prefer video slideshow, you can do that too. Do you know someone who would enjoy my conversation with Sean Taylor? Maybe it'll be a little bit of an eye-opener for them? Please share the love. We'd all appreciate it. And until next time, take care and be well. Music